This is Notable Nerds, a pro nerd report podcast where we introduce you to really cool nerds who are doing really cool things. I'm your host, Sebastian Malden, and my goal is to highlight nerdy, talented people who are killing it in the world. In each episode, we will hear their origin story, and they will impart a bit of advice and wisdom to others who might be looking to get in their industry or just learn something new. Without further ado, thank you for joining us, and now let's meet today's Notable Nerd. Like I said in the intro, we have a very special guest joining me today. He's a gamer. He's the founder of The Tech Journey, and he's a software engineer at Ride Games. He's the one, the only, Dwayne Sands. Dwayne, how are you doing today? Good. How are you? I'm good. I'm glad to have you on the show. Like, I've been excited to, to get you on the show. I'm like, you're a really cool guy. You have a really cool perspective on video games. Your fighting knowledge is, like, really on point as well. And you're, like, a really diverse gamer just like myself. So I really am excited to have you on the show. That's what's up, man. I'm excited to be here. Thank you for the opportunity. Good to be here. Yeah. Dwayne, for the people who may not know, know you, can you introduce yourself to the audience? Yeah, so I'm Dwayne Sands. I am a gamer, technologist, an activist, and an international baby. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. Yeah, I come with those international perspectives. It's always nice talking to people who are interested in talking about this kind of stuff. So looking forward to it. So when you say an international baby, can you elaborate for for some people in the audience? Mom and dad fell in love, galaxy <laughs> far away, and they joined the military and left Long Island, New York, and moved to Germany. And so I was born and raised in Germany until about preteens. Okay. And that's when I relocated to the States and been back here since. Okay. Okay. How many languages do you speak? Fluently, I guess I speak about two. Okay. I speak German and English, and then I dabble other, other places. But I, I try to hold on to my German language. It takes a little bit of a practice. It, it, it pays off. <laughs> do you get a lot of opportunity to actually practice? I don't really get a lot of opportunity to practice, but when I do, I like really do. So usually it'll be that like there's like some folks traveling from out of town and if they speak German and I catch on, usually we end up having some pretty, pretty lengthy combos. And uh, recently I actually had some old family friends that visit us from Germany. Okay. Pretty good English was there to make sure there were no losses in translation okay that's what's up so Dwayne, for every first time guest we have a putting you on the spot question it's where i ask you as a gamer your top five video games of all time so Dwayne, what is your top five video games of all time top five okay tekken is okay. one of those games i'm gonna say title like series okay series can't pick okay. a specific one the tekken <laughs> tekken series is really strong for me street fighter is also very strong for me. I love watching Street Fighter and playing, and it just looks so cool. Let's see. Onimusha. Onimusha was a game that I really loved growing up. really loved that game. Okay. Super cool. Deep like demon, demons and the samurai and, like, the dark, like, landscape. And then God of War. Played the last one and really loved that game. It's just so deep. God of um, War 2018? Yeah, that was the one with the sun, right? Grace. Yes. Yeah, that was intense. That was so cool to watch. And it's also like one of those games that like pulls in your heartstrings. So like I love that emotional aspect. It's so cool. <sighs> Man, I'm trying to think what the last one would be though. Because that's only four. And I guess the only thing that comes to mind then is like Super Mario Brothers. Okay. I love Super Mario Brothers growing up, like all of them, but I think a Mario 64 was probably the one that really stuck with me. But yeah, I those games. I love all of those games. If I see them any at any time, then I'll, I'll stop and play if I can. I gotcha. So what was your first like console growing up? First console growing up? I had Nintendo. Okay. All the way? Yeah. All the way. Had the N Nintendo, and then from there, the 
Nintendo, Super Nintendo. Like I, I did it all. Game Boys, Virtual Boys, had everything. Okay, that's what's up. That's what's up. So, Dwayne, you have a very interesting story, and you are in the video game industry as a software engineer at Riot Games. How'd you get started there? How'd you get started in the video game industry? How did I get started? It's funny. You look back and you're like, oh, I guess this was all planned, but it certainly <laughs> didn't feel like it at the time. I had a ton of interest in, in, in fighting games and competition and stuff from very early on, like high school days. And I was on the forums and stuff, like meeting people and traveling. And I found out that there were like things like community managers and stuff for video games. And that was the only link that I had to like, what would it be? Like, what kind of jobs are there in gaming? But I put that aside and felt like it was too high of a bar to reach. And I just went along with, I graduated with a degree in computer science. I worked in the tech industry and I started talking about my love for games and really expressed that outward, like in social media, things like LinkedIn. And the recruiters from Riot Games actually reached out to me and were like, hey, what's up? I think this is a place for you. It sounds like it. And it ended up being that. So yeah, it was just, it just all just worked out. So how did it feel to get that, like that, the, when they first reached out to you and you were like, okay, I might actually have a job in video games. How did that feel? Man, it was a range of emotions. Like one was like super excited right i was like wow this is it this is the end all be all i get to work for a video game company i always dreamed of doing that from a young age but it actually might happen so i was super stoked about that uh, i was also scary right because it was a huge company representing like cutting edge of the technological like bar as professional i was scared does my experience stack up or will i really be like understood will it work out and then i was also a little bit like skeptical too because there's a lot of articles that came out about Riot Games, like in the years preceding them reaching out. And I was okay, games, maybe you need to go sit in the corner and like figure yourself out from the <laughs> whole like diversity perspective, how you uh, treat folks and how folks like her just regarded. And all of that kind of worked itself out through conversations with folks there that really showed me what kind of people actually are there. And I, I came to understand that they're an interesting group of people. They have great perspectives. They're excellent communicators and they, they are pretty like emotionally in touch and more or less operate at a really high level. So I took a chance and so far it's been really good. That's good. That's good. How long have you been there so far? It's going to be three years in March. That's really good. So far, really good experience too. So that's really good to hear. So. What words of inspiration would you have to other people who want to get in the gaming industry or want to be like a software? I tell you, they're so treated those two separately, right? Like software engineer and gaming industry. I'll tackle the gaming industry first because that's like a broader thing. So the real thing is like when you work at a video game company, there are so many different ways that that, that work can be done, right? Whether you are working as an accountant or you are in legal, or maybe you are a person who does recruiting, or you are focused on like marketing, like advertising, you might be involved in like music production. Maybe you are like a contracted uh, photographer. Like there, there are a ton of ways that you can work within the gaming industry that are not just like solely tied to, do you know how to write code to make a menu load and make a character move on the screen? It's, there's so much, there's so much depth to what it takes like to run a whole video game company. And then from the software engineering perspective, it's like as long and as much as you get excited about like challenges 
about learning because software engineers like are like a function or like a, an occupation that continually has to learn, right? The landscape is always changing under your feet. And so you have to be nimble. And as long as you are excited about that, that kind of world, then software engineering can be fantastic for you. It also pays off really well, pays really well. There are a lot of doors that open for you. Like you can really like pivot and go a ton of different directions. Yeah. I, that's pretty much all I got to say about that. Man, that's some good advice for the people who want to be a software engineer. I got a question for you. Dwayne, what kind of games are you playing right now? What kind of games am I playing right now? So I mentioned God of War and Anamusha. So I'm playing mm -hmm. God of War. Like sometimes I, I beat it, but I was trying to go back through. I was. I also play a ton of Tekken, Tekken 7. I, I play on PC uh, and PlayStation 5. The I feel like the other game is Ghost of Tsushima. So Love it. Anamusha, Absolutely. Yo. Ghost so, is so crazy. So good. Have you played Iki Island yet, the expansion? Yes. Yes. I'm playing that right now. And it's so hype, right? You're like, what is going on? It feels mysterious. And you like the stories, man. The stories are so deep, right? You got eight different stories running like simultaneously. You dip in and it's nice. And ha let me ask you about Ghost. Have you actually like played the black and white version yet? Have you turned off like the color grade yet? Nah, I don't think I'm... Don't I'm not, think you were there yet. I'm not there yet. <laughs> so in the settings, they have an option to where you can do it as a classic, like the old cool old school like Japanese samurai movies. You can turn like that a, off like and like play it, yeah, and play it like that. And I was, I've only tried that for like maybe ten minutes, but I'm so used to like color and everything like that that the black and white and like the shading kind of throws me off. So I had to go back to color, but it looks absolutely gorgeous. That's like a game that I was. I knew how good it was because like I read reviews. I saw like people raving about it before I got involved into it. But it is fantastic. The way like the wind guides you into like your next like objective. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, phenomenal. Like, I love the story too. I'm like, that's a game I can't wait to get a sequel for. It's just the art direction, dude. The art direction is crazy. Like the immersiveness. Yeah. Like you were talking about the wind and stuff mm -hmm. like that. The horses. Oh, so like good like when you take damage and like what that looks like the fight sequences stuff's on fire things are exploding like they really thought about everything every single thing oh and one of the, like the standoffs like when you go to the enemy and it gives you that option to do those like standoffs to where you're doing the old school like who going who's actually going to draw and strike their swords for, like first yeah and oh my goodness so good like the drama and the tension there because if you strike too early like they'll completely have the advantage. But if you strike too late, they'll also have the advantage. So you have to pick that perfect time, pull your sword out, man. It's good. That's an amazing game. Also, I like fighting and stuff. I got my criticisms there. I'm like, why do I always have to wait for them to strike? Yeah. I'm like, if this is a standoff, maybe they're just going to stand there too. Mm -hmm. So we got to, I got to have some footsies over here and shimmying in and out. I feel like they could bring that in the next game. Yeah, listen, make it a man. little bit more like fast paced as well, or like the first one to strike basically gets the advantage, so to speak. Exactly. Yeah. So you said you had a PS5, you also have a PC. Like, what's your PS5 story? Did you, were you able to get it that launch? Did you wait off a little bit? Did, was it hard for you to find? I didn't get it quite at launch. It was hard to find. I feel like I got some advice from people because I was just like trying to go to target.com or Amazon or whatever. And I ended up learning about all these different Twitter accounts that you can follow that were explaining, like giving you heads up <laughs> when like new inventory was dropping. And so you like get the alert at 3 a.m. and you just have to magically be awake and mm -hmm. click the link and hope that there's something there. And so I, that's how I got mine. But yeah, I wish they had more, more product. But like, that's a sad story, dude. Man, it is. But I was roughly the same way. I got mine probably 
I think I got mine like two weeks after launch is when I was able to get mine. So, but I was like that day when they were like, when they announced the price and then when they announced like pre-orders already, I like scrambled. I completely, I ran to my computer from down like upstairs. I was like, I was chopping my, like my wife legitimately thought the house was on fire. Cause the way I was like, I gotta make it, man. I gotta make it. I'll explain later. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. I was like, get the credit cards ready. Get the credit card ready. Man, my dog was just like, oh, it's about to go down. We're about to go for a walk. And I was like, nah, son, get out the way. Get out the way. <laughs> Hit him with that Heisman real quick. I'm like, man, there's no time for games. This is serious business. I was able to get mine like two weeks after launch. So that all that cool, like man. Russian, yeah, pay it off. But I had a big love for PlayStation since early on. And I remember when PlayStation 2 launched and I was in high school at the time dating myself here. PlayStation 2 launched and I totally skipped school that day and waited outside of CompUSA mm-hmm. and I got my PlayStation 2. I was like the last person in line to get there. It's like it had cut off. And then I took it home and the disc reader didn't work. No, you were I kidding just, me. I had to send it in. I didn't get it back till Christmas and all my friends already had theirs. They were like, wow. Oh, you finally got yours? I was like, shut up, y'all. Oh, my goodness. I've been ready to fight. I've yeah, been ready to fight. I, I was hot. Man, that sucks. So let me ask you, you grew up being a huge Nintendo gamer. Like, what made you switch over to the PlayStation side and not have a Switch right now? I blame my my good friends from high school, Chow and Fu, two brothers, and they lived in, like, neighborhood right next to mine. We went, all went to school together, and they were cool, and we just started talking, and they were like, yeah, come over and play games with us. And it was always PlayStation. Big catalog. They would always let me take games home and just play in there all night. And so I just started to love PlayStation. And also Tekken, Tekken was an exclusive on PlayStation for quite a while. <laughs> so that, so you, that you really, had to go where Tekken went, huh? Exactly. I had, that, that was just my world. I was like, I live in PlayStation land and that's where I'll stay. I got you. I got you. I'm surprised though Smash didn't bring you like back to the Nintendo side. Man, I tell you this. I love the Smash community, like how like excited they are about the game, and they are like diehards. But me understanding how to play Smash, like I, just, <laughs> I am terrible. Like I know how to block, and I can do a little dashing back and forth. But don't mm-hmm. ask me to attack. I don't really understand <laughs> what I'm doing. I feel you. I feel you. Have you? So recently, the Smash clone came out, Multiverses. Have you checked that one out on PS5? Yeah. So I I've seen it, and I played a little bit. I like Bugs Bunny. <laughs> yeah yeah bugs bunny's my man okay okay shout out to bugs i am uh, me myself i played probably like 10 hours or so i mostly play wonder woman and i put in lo- lo- some work with lebron james i was really surprised with the, like how fluid he felt so gotta be playing that a little bit but it's not quite smashed to me i love it's almost there but it's not quite it's almost like when you go to when you go to the store and you're buying when you're buying like ingredients for the meal you're making and like the high brand thing and great value like right there not to this great value the difference you could tell yeah. there's a difference there it's uh it's not tricks it's i don't know it's treats yeah exactly <laughs> exactly so you still a solid game but it's not quite to that level yet but so you just told us what kind of games you're playing I got a question for you. One of the, your big monikers online is that you're a gamer, which is a dope name, by the way. I really like that. Can you tell us how that originated and why you identify as such? Yeah. So I think what you mean when you say gamer, you're talking about the G-A-Y. Yeah, exactly. Right? I, like I, exactly. A gamer, but gamer. 
Yeah, exactly. Um, you got to excuse okay. my Texas draw there, man. I'm a South boy, so that Y split into that gamer. It's all good, man. I got mm -hmm. friends all over the country. I know all the slang. I, I get it. So the thing is, I felt like it was a, a later realization, right? There's these terms like blurs and gamers. And so I'm black. I'm also queer and identify as gay. And so one of the things is with the gaming community for so long, I felt like there were parts of myself that I either needed to like hide completely or drum up almost as like almost, oh, and there's the gay guy, right? And it's like mm -hmm. this whole thing. And so I, I learned to basically, one, to love myself, mm -hmm. two, to understand that it's like part of my identity. It's a part of my identity that I really want to express outwardly in a way that feels authentic, right? And it's, I love games. I also happen to be queer. And I, I guess it's an attempt, one, to find community. Because if you don't name something right, it can be difficult to like find it out in the world as well. It won't reflect back to you unless you're willing to really express it of yourself. So that's really where that comes from. There's a whole community like wrapped up in that. There's all kinds of opportunities to like hang with people that like really understand me on a deep level and also share games like together. And so I tried a couple times to build some community really along the lines of being a black gamer, G-A-Y-M-E-R. Yeah. That, I've had some success. I've had mm -hmm. some success, but I really do it in an attempt really just to make that more intentional. That's what's, that's really cool. And community is important, especially like for everyone. Community is really one of those things that really is something we need in life. That's really cool that you're doing that. Yeah, for sure. I felt they say if you want to be part of a community, right, you need to really be active. And so mm -hmm. that's my way to be active is really just to increase visibility. Yeah, that's what's up. So can you tell the audience like in your view like why diversity matters in games because i'm the same way i feel like diversity is something that like is really important to me in video games can you tell the audience why it's important to you as well man we could talk about this for days uh, <laughs> for sure yeah i'm gonna try to i'm gonna try to condense this down diversity is a really big topic for me really really interested in the human condition like leaving the world better than you found it and I, I, there's a lot of like a lot of reasons for me to see in the world that there's room for growth for us as a people socially, and that's all human beings. Video games is something that I feel like everyone really, not everyone, but a lot of people enjoy. And video games is kind of immersive. Like it's a world that you can live in and really find a lot of commonality with in certain ways. But sometimes you look at stuff in video games and you're like, okay, that doesn't really drive, right? Like we were just having a conversation early about like hair and video games. Diversity really matters because Every time you play like those like Nintendo games or whatever, or like you're trying to do like your um, your avatar or create a character and you try to create a black character, I say try because you're looking for like authenticity in the character you create and that hair, that hair, man, is it often is rough. not, it is, rough. it is rough, right? There's no lines like you were talking about, like it's just <laughs> boxy, like it doesn't really even make sense as an actuality, right? Like what does black hair actually look like? It's the, mm -hmm. like you said, those cornrows. And it's, <laughs> it's just spend a little time, y'all. Like you, you need black people in the room in order to really have that, that, that recognition that you can do better, that you can do more authentic, right? That, that authenticity in like other character designs for other like character designs is easier to do because there's representation in the room. And so I, I think it's super important to have that diversity because then people really get to see themselves and they get a more, a more like a more feel-good interaction and it makes it deepens the connection right with the game and just makes it a better experience overall so i feel like that's why diversity is important for one 
Yeah, for sure. For sure. Do you think video games and like video games are starting to get more diverse? Do you feel like we're moving forward a little bit? Or do you feel like we're still basically like just taking small steps forward or even not moving forward at all? There there are signs that the, that things are improving. Like I, I know that there was like this whole, there's a whole move movement to like basically change up the whole like black hairstyles in video games, right? They've created like a whole library around like black hair and how basically how to represent it in ways that are authentic and just look a lot better. And so it's what the open source Afro hair library. Okay. Um, so yeah. So like you can look them up on Twitter. This is like literally Afro hair library and it looks like what? Okay. They even have fellowships and stuff like that going on. I appreciate that kind of stuff because it means that as you go on, like if it is going to get better, it is getting better, but I see there's a lot of room for growth. But if you look at things like the street fighter six trailer, right? Like the character designs, like for all of their like immersive experiences, like in their like open world format, like those designs are nice, right? Like they, the way that they represent like people of color feels more authentic and we will get into like how off the mark they, they in general, like <laughs> video game companies have been in the past. It, this is growth. Yeah, it really is. It really is. Like games like Deathloop, Miles Morales, Forspoken's coming out and we're starting to see a little bit of a little bit of representation there. And hopefully it's I feel like especially with Deathloop and Miles Morales is at least positive representation. And maybe that's a sign that we're moving forward a little bit. I would like to see more more black developers in games as well. So maybe we can get more people in the room that that can tell, hey, our noses aren't quite shaped like this. Or maybe, hey, our like hairline needs to be a little bit more like this. Or hey, that's not a realistic like dialogue that like we actually use. So I would love to see more like diversity in game development as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I also say that it's improving because I work at Riot Games. One of the things that, you know, as you work at a video game company is like when they're doing designs and stuff, like they, they talk to people at the company and they're like, Hey, is this, is this right? Is, what do you think? Do you have an opinion on this? If you don't cool, but if you see something, say something. And so you just be like, that, that doesn't look right. Maybe you should change that or just be like, yeah, you guys did that. That looks good. So I see that there is definitely like improvement for one is I'm in the room. So the more people that look like me in the room, the less chance that they'll get it wrong for something that is supposed to represent my culture. Yeah, for sure. Because you, if you remember growing up, like it was the only like major black characters, I think was like what Eddie and Tekken. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I can't remember very many more. Like maybe Final Fantasy VII and Eddie from Tekken were like the only two I can remember. Yeah, Barrett. Yeah, Barrett. Yeah, uh -huh. Barrett and, and this big hulking dude, right? Like sometimes the designs are like a little stereotypical, not a little, a lot. Um, but, but, <laughs> They, they're trying to do better and I think they they are overall like with designs like you've seen some pretty good representation if you look at uh, like characters like Senna in, in, mm -hmm. in the League of Legends franchise like those characters look like actual like people of color and that's just keep doing that just do more of that companies right that's exciting man and it is that was a really good example because that is a really good representation there and it looks on point and it's one of those things you can actually point at and be like oh I'm proud of that step forward because it, that is a really good representation there. Yep. You got Senna, yes. you got Lucian. Shoot, what's his name? The time-skipping dude. I should know this. <laughs> oh, but man. But he came into League of Legends, and I, I did not have a whole lot of experience with, with the, the background. characters. Uh -huh. Yeah, and what's cool about starting at, at Riot is that they do this whole, like, like deep immersion, right, where they talk about the uh, the lore of their games mm -hmm. and stuff. And so it was really cool is that they introduced me to all these characters, Echo. 
I feel it's okay. <laughs> there you go. But like they they give you all this all this backstory, and so it invests you. You, you get mm-hmm. super invested. But yeah, I've enjoyed like connecting with that. So like that was my inroads, right? Is seeing that representation that I like can connect to, and so I feel like those are like the drum beats that really make things like I don't know. They make it more welcoming and, and inviting. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So. I got a last one last question for you. Like, how do you feel like representation for like the gay community is going? Because that's a lot different than the African-American community. How do you feel like representation for that community is going as well? So like you say gay, I usually say queer. I try I'm to sorry, uh, my, my give it more. It's fine. It's, a, it's more of an umbrella term. Like when I say queer, I'm talking about the LGBT QIA plus. And so like you're getting like backstories on characters in fighting games like that are trans, right? That level of detail. And it's like not just how like video games like or I should say in general, like storytellers will like hint that stuff without confirming it. And so it's like up to interpretation kind of thing, right? Like characters in in, in Tekken, like Leo is a character that is, is trans. And the character is like has there's no confirmation about that for a lot of scenarios. So I feel like they're being more specific and more direct with like showing like relationships in games. Mm-hmm. Like I, I played a game, I played a game, I forget what it was called, but it was like boyfriend game. Boyfriend dungeon? Game. Yes. Yeah, was that it? Yes. Oh man. Yeah, I played that recently as well. Yo, Boyfriend Dungeon is amazing. Boyfriend Dungeon is amazing because I just love the fact that I can literally go into a game and actually like, go through the motions of dating different people and like also having just regular like gaming moments, right? And then just having that like the relationship storyline is there alongside it. Like it's more, it's more authentic. And then I feel like the more you see that in games, the more open they are with it, the better. Of course, if you look at most chats, like chat's toxic. You just don't even... Oh, you know, for sure. Chat. For sure. You already know that's a toxic community. Yeah. But I feel like the whole idea of like, like the storylines lately just being more, more, I guess, open about folk sexuality and acknowledging that like the default isn't necessarily just like straight and like uh, cis, like that, that really is nice to see that games are willing to go in that direction. And they're seeing like positive results. Hmm. They're seeing positive results because people relate. Because they're like, oh, that's me. That's literally me. Yeah, I can completely understand that. And I, like, Boyfriend Dungeon is a really good example. I was like, when you were talking, I was struggling to think of another example besides, I think, maybe, I think Life is Strange is like that as well. Have you played those games? I haven't. So, I haven't. But that, I think that in lies the problem is we, like, me and you have been lifelong gamers, and yet we're struggling to think of, like, solid representation for the a whole like community of people yeah there's definitely a lot of room for growth you know what as i say that i'm finding this post that says eight queer video games worth playing and it's okay. from 2022 it's a wired article so shout out to the wire yeah, yeah can you list yeah. those out real quick so there's a game called trailblazing clicks possibly mm-hmm. the first lgbtq plus video game released and then there's tempting treats which is looks like it's made by a bug snacks. Oh, okay. That game looks really cute. It, mm-hmm. It's it's looking really good. I'm not surprised. Bug snacks looked like a, it was visually a really cute game. <laughs> this game is cute. This is so cool. At least a casual game. I like casual games like that where you don't have to like get super like, stressed out while you're playing. There is Ekenfell, 
Okay. This is like engaging in magical encounters at school as you wave weave your way around campus. That's dope. There is Raptor Boyfriend. Oh, cool. So you get flirty with male and female cryptids in Raptor Boyfriend. <laughs> okay. dating, a dating sim. Yeah, so Boyfriend Dungeon is also a dating sim. Dating sim. So it's kind of similar style. There's Heaven Will Be Mine, Tell Me Why. And I've played Tell like Me Why. That's on Game Pass. Yo, what is Tell Me Why about? Tell me why is, have you seen the games? Have you seen like Life is Strange or like Telltale, The Walking Dead, that sort of? Yes, yes. So it is very much in that same kind of vein. It is it is very much like a story-centric game that is where you're playing as, I want to say the, it's been a while since I played, but yeah, it's about a brother and sister, I believe. Uh, yeah. And they're trying to unveil the, unveil the mystery of what happened to their family and what happened to their past. So that one is a pretty solid game. If you have, if you like, if you have Game Pass, I know you don't have Xbox, but if you have Game Pass on PC, that one's definitely worth checking out. Yeah, dude, I appreciate you asking me that question because you just led me down a path, and I'm about to go try these games. Because yeah, these tell me why cool. is one that I'd recommend. I've played Boyfriend Dungeon also on Game Pass, by the way, but I don't. It might be on PlayStation Plus that new PlayStation Plus Extra as well. Their version of Game Pass. Okay. Yeah, I'm gonna have to check it out. I like the idea of Game Pass because it feels like it's a little easier than to just kind of jump around and try different things because you don't it have to is. like plunk down a bunch of cash, right? Like you can just, you can dip in and dip out. Yeah, for sure. And it's, if as a PlayStation gamer, PlayStation has its own version of Game Pass now called PlayStation Plus Extra and Premium. So they also come with like catalogs of games like that. So if you do want to try out new games or like games that where like you're like i don't quite want to invest the money into buying this permanently but i do want to check it out that's a subscription plan that i'd recommend as well that's what's up i appreciate it you just you put me on that's (laughs) that's so cool no man it's all good it's all good so man before we go though where can the good people find you so there's a couple of different ways linkedin is a great way to find me i'm very active in that community it's probably one of the most active i am with social media my linkedin is just dwayne dash sands so okay. like, you can literally just type that in. It's D-W-A-Y-N-E dash S-A-N-D-S. Excuse my list. There's also Twitter. And my Twitter is gamer underscore coder. That's G-A-Y-M-E-R underscore coder. And those are two probably the best ways to get in contact with me. I'm less active on Twitter, but I'm trying to be more active there. But like all the, anything that's going on with me, try to drop it there. And then I also have a web presence on thetechjourney.co. And thetechjourney.co is, is, is an attempt at me to create like an on-ramp uh, to tech careers. It basically spotlights several different career paths in, within technology for, and it's supposed to be like basically geared towards persons of color who are trying to enter that space. That's um, really so, dope. Yeah. The, w- the website is not super active, but it is like a blog style format. I drop content whenever I can. Uh, if I see like something that is like a person of color representation within the IT field and has like a day in the life field. I look to include that there. And so then it gives people like a window into what it could be like if they entered the workforce, like within tech, I think it's super important for people to be able to find that. And on that, there's also like a, like an information, like, like a box kind of style thing. So if you want to drop your email stuff to follow along with it, as the site evolves, you can do that there as well. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, the Tech Journey link and his link to the socials will be in the bio of this episode. So definitely click on those. Definitely check those out. Dwayne, man, it's been a pleasure talking to you, man. I've really enjoyed this conversation. Likewise, Sebastian, thank you for inviting me on. This has been fantastic. 
No, man. Thank you for coming. I'd love to have you back again. Anytime you're in the mood to talk about some dope video games, just hit me up. You are always welcome. You're fam now. So anytime you're on, you're more than welcome on the ProNet Report. For sure. Appreciate it. Man, it's great talking to you, and I'll catch you in the next one. All right. All right, peace. Later. Hey, what's up, everyone? Thank you so much for listening to the episode. I just want to remind you that you can get Notable Nerds every single Thursday, and we're going to bring you the dopest guest in the nerd community. If you want to suggest a nerd that you think should be on the show or discuss topics of an episode with others, join us on the Pro Nerd Report Facebook group. Once you're in, go ahead and provide some feedback. The link to join us in the Pro Nerd Report free Facebook group is in the show notes. We want to thank you for joining us today, and we hope to catch you every single Thursday. Holla at your boy later. Peace.